0: (laughs) oh man (laughs) yeah father we're gathered together because we want to know you more and I'm so thankful that these people in this room help me and guide me and rebuke me and correct me and care for me all in hopes that we get to know you more. All for your glory, and that our lives would be changed through you and through each other. So we give this night to you. Thank you for this time and this place. And just help us learn something. (laughs) You are an incredible God who is loving and caring and practical. Let me give this to you. Amen. So I've entitled tonight, Who Do You Serve? And part of it is, (laughs) I just, I love God and he's just, it's really cool to see how when I have an idea and I bring it to him and then it changes and shifts. And so tonight is going to be, we're talking about serving and what that looks like. Um, and also a little bit about stewardship and how um, what does it look like to serve Yahweh? What does it look like to serve the God of gods? And so when we start off, I want to make sure that we all know which God I'm talking about (laughs) and which God we are serving and that we're on the same page as that. Um, So I'm going to start off in Deuteronomy, and if somebody will read it for me, I'm going to say the address. Deuteronomy 28, 45 through 48, please. All
1: these curses talk because of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you, in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness and in lacking everything. He will put and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he destroys you.
0: So, it's not the nicest way to start off with teaching. It's pretty grim. <laughs> but I wanted to put that out there to say, "Hey, this is what happens when we don't choose to serve Yahweh, to serve the God of gods. This is (laughs) the destruction, and it is intense. It is a (laughs) matter of life and death and eternal life or destruction. Um, And so that's what happens (laughs) when we don't serve the Lord. And you can look into that. Deuteronomy 28 is a really interesting chapter. Before that, it talks about the blessings of the Lord and then it ends with the destruction. But before, in, um, earlier in Deuteronomy, it talks about what happens if you do serve the Lord and do and are set apart and do dedicate your lives to Him. Oh, wrong way. There we go. Okay, got it. All right, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 17, please.
2: And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and you above all people, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer (laughs) for the Lord your God is God of God and Lord of Lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not
0: partial and takes no bribe. (laughs) Yeah. So I included this because it talks about, and this is one of the verses I go to when I look about how is God powerful. He is the God above gods, the God who sets his heart on our fathers, are the forerunners of our faith, on Abraham. And he set his heart in love, and he chooses us. And we also have the opportunity to choose God as well. I think part of this, too, is he lays it out. It says, what does the Lord, what does the Lord your God require of you? There's a couple things. It requires you to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statures of the Lord. And so I encourage you to kind of go back to this verse later on and think about those things. What does it mean to require, or what does it require to serve the Lord? And we're going to go through some more of those, but I think we need to, we need to ask that question. We need to say what, as we like to say in this group, count the cost. <laughs> what is serving the Lord require, and why are we doing it? Next verse, First Peter five six, please.
3: Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. They will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life.
0: So serving someone. What does it mean to serve? It means to be under them. It means to <laughs> do the things they ask you to do. It means to humble yourself. To serve someone, you have to have someone who is over you and who is your master. Let's keep going. Matthew 23, 8 through 12.
4: But you are not, but you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth. For you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, Christ. The greatest among you shall, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted.
0: So there is one instructor, and he is Christ. There is one God above gods, and it is Yahweh. And he sent his son, and his son Christ Jesus humbled himself humbled himself to the point that he came and dwelled among us. And that's the type of God we serve. (laughs) We serve a God who doesn't take into account his position, but he sets his heart on this set-apart people, and we are called to be that set-apart people. So let's look a little bit more about what Christ did. Let's do 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9 not as a command but to prove
3: by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich he yet oh lord, though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by poverty might become
0: rich so he was rich jesus christ was in heaven he had it he had god he was in the presence he had everything that we are are wanting to attain, and he was in the presence of God, and he said, God asked him to go down and <laughs> come to the earth. And he did it for our sake. He became poor, and he tossed aside those riches. And I, I don't want to ever forget the significance of that and the fact that Jesus... <laughs> didn't have to come but he chose to because again like it said in deuteronomy like he set his heart on us and so with jesus and the new covenant um that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more about how how can we serve god in this new covenant and not just the old covenant that it referred to in deuteronomy um and so there is yeah let's keep rolling matthew twelve fifteen through 16
3: Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles.
0: So this was a pretty big deal (laughs) for Jesus to come not only as the Savior of the Jews, but also the Savior of the Gentiles. And we see that dichotomy in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so in the Old Covenant, it was about the Jews, it was about the Israelites, God set apart people. And a lot of the Jews thought that it was just going to be for them and their Savior. And then we read <laughs> that Isaiah said this, and Jesus came, and he said, actually, hold on a minute, <laughs> I came for more than just the Jews. I came for everyone. My love is powerful enough to go beyond this set-apart people, and I want it to. And so we see that, but the Jews had to do (laughs) a lot of humbling as well to understand that it was not meant just for them. And they also (laughs) had to learn that their actions had consequences. And that's a lot of the (laughs) Old Testament as well. We see that they do stumble and they do fall and they do realize that, okay, they're not doing it <laughs> the way that God designed it. And so he says, okay, well, I'll just give it to the Gentiles too. And that's because God is so loving, but also he, he wants to be glorified and he wants people after him and he wants people to serve him. And the people that want that, he will let them. We see this in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And Jesus went away
5: from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yikes. <laughs> she yeah. said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly.
0: So I think we don't always realize um, <laughs> just how... This story is, is kind of harsh, and she says, like, she felt like she was a dog, and she wanted the crumbs, but she came to the Lord knowing <laughs> the Old Covenant, knowing that she really wasn't a part of those people, but she begged God, <laughs> and she said, just let me, <laughs> my daughter, be healed. And she acknowledged the fact that he was servant of the God above gods and so we see that that it was her hunger and her faith and she was a (laughs) Gentile woman she was not technically in this Old Covenant because this is still before Jesus resurrected Um, and so we were still in the Old Covenant and she says you know have mercy on me and then (laughs) Jesus says great is your faith and so because of her faith, her daughter was healed. And so she chose to humble herself before the Lord. And her <laughs> reward was her daughter being healed. And to, for God to get glory through that. Joshua twenty four
3: fourteen. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord.
0: And so, I just think this reiterated the Canaanite woman, who was again not a Jew, who probably had her own set of gods for her culture. She put away those other gods, and she served the Lord. And we see this time and time again throughout the Old Testament, but particularly if you want to look into the story of Rahab and Ruth, I didn't put them in here, but they are two examples of um, people who are not Israelites, who are not technically God's chosen people by birth, but are grafted into the old covenant then. <laughs> and why does that happen? Because of their faith and their willingness to serve God and their willingness to put away their other gods. Let's go to James 1 James 1.27. oh you got there sorry (laughs) but i just i think it's (laughs) really cool how sometimes the bible just helps us spell it out and i love sometimes it's sometimes hard how blunt the writers of the bible are particularly some of the new testament but it's also just really helpful and i just appreciate it and so you might ask yourself what is religion We have it here. (laughs) Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is to visit the widows and the orphans in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So God cares about the poor. That's what I gather from this verse. He cares about the people who (laughs) need help and who don't have any family and who feel abandoned. (laughs) But in that same vein, He also wants us to keep clean from the world. And so I think that's what helps me understand (laughs) the Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman or the Gentile woman who comes before God. And a lot of people had this um, (laughs) with Jesus. They were upset that he hung out with the tax collectors and the people of this world. And they kind of said, well, hey, like, aren't you not keeping yourself um, unstained from the world? And so I think sometimes we have that where, you know, we want to be unstained from the world. we have our true religion, so we can't associate with anyone who's not a Christian. And I think you could take this verse and take that out of context and make it something that it's not. But I want to read 1 Corinthians 5, 9-13. through We've read this before in some of my teachings, but I just, this verse really transformed a lot of my thinking and understanding of what it means to serve Christ and to and to go beyond your own little bubble that you feel safe in. <laughs> Somebody read it for me. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with
1: sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually, sexually immoral of this world, or to the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brothers, if he is guilty of sexual immorality, or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, a drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you.
0: And so this just helps me see and reiterate the fact that, like, if we were to completely remove ourselves from anything that is not of God, we would have to leave this world. But that's not what he's asking. And Jesus went, you can read accounts in the Gospels, Jesus went to the people who the Pharisees or the church people did not want to associate with. He did that, but he kept himself clean. And he did that in a manner because he knew. the god he serves and he listened to the holy spirit and he had that understanding and he didn't become compromised by hanging out with him and we have a powerful spirit and so i just want to say you can hang around people that are not christians and i just want to say that explicitly just so we so we get that out there and that you don't have to be consumed by the world And in fact, I think, I've said this before, but I think in the church we have it backward, where we're so worried about the sins of the world and all that, and we don't even look at the church. We don't even look at the inside. And going back to that uh, James verse, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Yep, 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 we'll get there. (laughs) Going back to that James verse. um, Pure religion, as it says, is to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction. And so for people who are afflicted it it doesn't say the Jewish widows and orphans it just says the widows and the orphans. It doesn't it doesn't put a subtext on that. And to keep yourself clean from the worlds it's <laughs> in your spirit and in your heart and the church and he's a lot of these letters were written to the body and so he's saying keep your body clean the body of Christ. <laughs> As it says, keep like the church clean and pure. But you still <laughs> need and we ask when we serve the Lord he still goes after those who are not grafted in yet so let's keep going Wait, I keep going the wrong way don't I? okay, there we go I got it, I got it no, I'm still going wrong <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to get there one of these days oh uh, yeah, deliverance yes, okay so we were right here and now we're going to be I got it, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. All right, Matthew 20 26 through eighteen.
5: Right. <laughs> no, I did, did it again. Okay. okay. Through 18.
1: Yep. She did it when she was telling Sydney to run on the board when I was like, oh, "I'm
0: pretty sure." Mhm. No, I'm alright. Let's just somebody read Matthew. Yep, yeah, Matthew 26. Matthew Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Matthew 20:26-28 20, <laughs> <laughs> Just read it. Go ahead.
1: It shall not They'll be so among
5: you, but whoever would be great <laughs> among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <laughs>
0: okay so I wanted this set of verses um, What's that? this <laughs> one that's on the board <laughs> yeah I, it's just, I'm going to humble myself I don't know um, so again it's talking about being a servant and whoever would be great among you must be your servant and the son of man came to not serve to not be served but to serve and so <laughs> we see that that god god wants us to serve him but by serving him we imitate paul and we imitate christ and christ was a servant as well and he served a lot of people and he was not silent about what he believed and who he was and he went, I just keep coming back to that, like he went out he didn't just stay in the synagogues, he did start in the synagogues, but he didn't just finish his ministry there he went out, and he also <laughs> wanted, we were talking about this earlier he wanted to keep the synagogues and the body clean, so much to the point that he fashioned a whip, and was like keep this space clean <laughs> and then after that he still went out into the world and again, it wasn't because he defiled himself, That that wasn't what he was doing, he had again, the spirit that gives us freedom and cleanses us. And we want that for other people as well. (laughs) I just can't. I can't get it together. Alright, so this next set of verses I think will help (laughs) will help tie a little bit of this together. Um, So let's read Matthew 25,
3: 34-40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me.
0: And so, when I read this, it's kind of a wake-up call for myself because I would include myself as righteous. (laughs) I have dedicated my life to the Lord, and I would (laughs) wager that I am righteous, but when I look In this, I see that this is how the righteous responded. And they responded by feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, giving those who were thirsty to drink. And they didn't even know in this story that it was necessarily the Lord. But they still did it because (laughs) they were following after His example. And this is what He did. And so we see that this is how the righteous respond. But in the next little section, literally right after that, we're going to see how the unrighteous responded. So Matthew 25, 41 through 45.
2: Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life.
0: And so we see that how do the righteous, the people of God, the people who are set apart, how do they react to those who are in need? They help them, <laughs> if we boil it down. And how do the unrighteous, the people who are consumed and worried about the things of this world, are deceived, they neglect them or just pass them by? And there's a lot of um, precedent for this in the Bible, but another one that comes to mind is uh, the story of the um, Samaritan who somebody can help me when they the guys left dead on the road or dying and the good samaritan that's the word good samaritan um and i didn't include that one either but i did think about it a little bit um in that sense that like the people who (laughs) again thought they were the most righteous or the priest and the different holy holy people of the day with quotation marks they just passed that person by and the samaritan who was not even really a Jewish person who was of a different race, was the one who helped. And I believe Jesus said that because again, the people, the church wasn't doing what he wanted them to do. Their pure religion. They weren't really taking care of the widows and the orphans. And so as we keep going, I want us to start asking that question, are we doing what God wants us to do in that way? Are we serving him with pure religion? And are we living in the new covenant? And the fact that it is now based upon, or has always been based upon your faith, but now Jesus is sending us out. <laughs> Leviticus 25, 35-36. If your
5: brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit,
0: but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. Fear your God that your brother may live beside you. Let's keep going. John fifteen thirteen.
3: Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends.
0: <sighs> That's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy. Like... No greater love than this. And that's what Jesus did for us. And if we are (laughs) a servant to him and his father, (laughs) that's what we're called to do. And again, I want to set up this way of the worlds or the the way that the (laughs) people of the worlds act and respond to things. And the way that the people of God respond to things, or how God <laughs> wants his people to respond. Not always how they do, but how he asks us to. And that just doesn't make sense, but it does <laughs> if you understand the type of God we serve. First John three sixteen. So first John, not the regular John, it's a little bit different <laughs> than the common verse we all quote. First John three sixteen. I'll read it. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So the he that they're talking about is Jesus. And so Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus was a servant of God. We are servants of God. And are we laying down our lives for each other? And I want us to, to ask those questions again, but also understand that it's not in Jesus case like it was very literal and like it could be like you actually die for the sake of your brothers but I also want us to start thinking about are we giving our lives to each other and to the cause of Jesus Christ and the redemption and his heart and are we laying down our own wants and desires to help build up the body of Christ To the body of Christ who will become our brothers. Deuteronomy fifteen four through five.
2: But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you for the inheritance to possess. If only you would strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today.
0: (laughs) How incredible would that be? if there were no poor among us, and among us is the body of Christ. And that's what we're after, that when we're in need, when we're in poverty, poverty means to be in lack of something that you need. And so again, I want to make sure that it's not just like physical needs. (laughs) It encompasses stuff that you need. And if we are the body of Christ, people should see that we aren't lacking anything (laughs) and our weaknesses are made perfect in christ and so sure like we might look different from the outside but we are strong we are knitted together and if we follow the lord's commands if we strictly obey the voice of the lord that can happen and the lord will bless us and i know he's talking (laughs) to the israelites and to deuteronomy the people back then but the lord (laughs) is a god of promises and I just, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm after. So, Matthew 25,
3: 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.
0: So, this is the parable of the talents. I recommend you go back and read through it, it's in Matthew 25. Um, I didn't want to put the whole thing in here and read it through together. I want you guys to take that initiative and do it on your own. But um, this is also tying in a little bit of stewardship and the things that the Lord has given us. And in that parable, we see that the Lord gives um, their master in the parable, gives them money, and um, two of them go and they multiply it. And they (laughs) go out and bring more in for their master and then the one goes and buries it and he says at least you would have like maybe had it get some interest like you did nothing with what i had given you and so i think that in that vein the faithful or trusted with uh, little trusted with much that same thing like what are you trusted with and what are you doing with it and how are you serving the lord and how are the things that he has given to you how are you <laughs> letting them multiply because again, God's heart is for all people. It says in Second Timothy that like he <laughs> wants us to come to the knowledge of him so that all people can be saved. So I want to talk about someone who did <laughs> steward their wisdom well. And we're going to talk about Solomon. So if somebody will read, it's a little bit of a larger chunk, but... Um, first Kings three five through fourteen.
4: At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love. And given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am, although I am but a little child. <laughs> I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people?
0: Keep going for me.
4: It, it, it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has, has been before you, and none and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk and if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days.
0: It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And what had he asked? <laughs> For wisdom for discernment between good and evil. He asked for something that could go beyond himself. (laughs) He didn't ask for riches or um, (laughs) to be saved. Like it said, he asked for a gift that he knew would be useful and purposeful and edify the body of Christ and the people. And because of that, because God gives good gifts to his children, he said, okay, we'll throw in some riches while we're at it. I'm so impressed with you, like, take some more. (laughs) But really, like, that's how beautiful and how kind God is. But Solomon was after the things that God was after. He wasn't after the fame or the riches or (laughs) his own protection. But he knew that God was wise and he wanted to be wise. And he knew that God, if God would give him that discernment, he would be protected. And so I just think it's a really beautiful representation of how we come to before the Father asking for things and what we ask for and how it can be used. And we'll see here in the next chapter, um, 1 Kings 4:29 through 34 and God gave
2: Solomon- wiser than all other men, wiser than even the all Ezra- Ezra- yep. right <laughs> <laughs> and Heman, Kolako, and Darda, the sons of Moral, Ma, Nagel, Nagel, <laughs> <laughs> and his fame was in the surrounding, was in all the surrounding nations, he also spoke Three thousand proverbs and his songs were one thousand and five he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall he spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of solomon and all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom hmm.
0: He spoke of 3,000 Proverbs and his songs 1,005. And we're still reading his Proverbs today. (laughs) They're in our Bible. And I just can't help but be grateful that Solomon stewarded his gift of wisdom well in that way. And that because he asked for that gift, I'm, thousands of years later, still getting to receive from it and still gaining wisdom, even though he's not with us anymore. sounded weird, but yeah, even though he's dead, um, I'm still, (laughs) that's really weird. He's no longer with us, (laughs) but no, like, he's dead, but, like, his wisdom and, like, his knowledge and his, uh, just what I can learn from his life is still being used, and I don't know, I hope one day that that can be me as well, that people, like, even though when I'm long and gone, like, people can still see the impact that the Lord had on my life, um, and then as well, I think it's that the people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And I think we've kind of gotten away from that <laughs> in the body of Christ and the church. And are people coming to the church for wisdom? I don't really see that anymore. And I want that. And I want them to be coming for us. I want um somebody said it recently, like being known as a Christian, I, I don't want to be known as a hypocrite. I want to be known as someone who takes care of the poor. I want to be known as a Christian, as someone who, uh, yeah, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was you. <laughs> I, yeah. But I, I, want to be, I want to be known for being a servant because that's what God wants me to be known as, not just for my own gain, but we're seeing biblical precedents for that. 1 Corinthians one twenty-four through 26.
3: According to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known, a mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to the (laughs) saints.
0: This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he says, I'm a minister according to that stewardship, to the things that God has given me. And I also look back and think think of Paul's life and think how he was the last person I would choose. (laughs) to go to anybody like he was killing the Christians and he was the Jews Jews. but his life was changed (laughs) in a matter of days and once his life was changed and once he understood the actual God he was serving and the importance of the new covenant and of (laughs) Jesus Christ and what he actually fulfilled there was no turning back for him and he did become a servant of all and he has so many stories about how he pursued that servanthood. And he stewarded <laughs> the gift he had very well. The gift he had of the knowledge of Christ. Let's do Psalm 69,
5: 6-13. <laughs> Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness.
0: Let not those who hope in you be put to shame. And this is David talking. So David was the father of Solomon, who we read about in 1 Kings. And I put this in because, again, being a servant of Christ, I feel like we talk about it, but it's, it's not <laughs> all rainbows and butterflies. It's not all pretty. It's going to cost you your life <laughs> and in the sense of your old life. You're going to have to put a lot of things to death. And you're going to have to be renewed in that. But it's so worth it because we will not be put to shame. Because if we believe that the God that we are choosing to serve is above all the other gods, if we believe that he is the most powerful, if we begin to step out and (laughs) prove that he is the most powerful, powerful through miracles, through our speech that we shouldn't know, but we do because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we won't be put to shame. And there are so many things in this earth that could put us to shame. I can tell you, and from my experience, and a lot of other people in this room, and the stories of the actual real people who followed God in the Bible, we see that they were not put to shame when they followed after Christ and obeyed Him. And God, yeah. And God is faithful. And do we believe that? And are we willing to step out in serving Him, And take that risk, knowing that he is faithful and knowing that he will provide. Let's do Romans 5, 3-5.
3: Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us.
0: So again we see just reiterated in this Romans verse that hope does not put us to shame and that we are enduring (laughs) this for the love of Christ for God to see the world (laughs) renewed to see the poor (sighs) not have to live in poverty because we have this gift Peter says you know what, <laughs> silver and gold I do not have, but I will give you what I do have. And that is the knowledge that Christ died for you and that he loves you and that you can have his spirit and that you don't have to be emburdened and trapped and held back by the things of this world. And that's the goal <laughs> of being a Christian. And it's not about, again, our own little bubble it's about <laughs> bringing hope and revival to this world and we do that through the holy spirit and i wanted to end on this verse because again i think sometimes we fall into this camp or the church has of just like humanitarian efforts and <laughs> i think that i like i think they start off well and they want to help people and i get that but non-christians can help people like we've had this really big talk in a few of our groups where it's like you don't have to be a christian to help the poor you don't have to be a Christian to do good things and so I really want you to ask yourself like are you just doing these good things because that's great and like yes I guess you're making the world a better place but like read Revelation and then you're like okay why am I doing all these things but we have the Holy Spirit and we have the power of Christ and so through serving Him it's different (laughs) it's different because while we may be giving these, these physical things like peter said it's it's more important about the life change that we're seeing it's more important about <laughs> giving them the things that will lead to eternal life so i just want to keep that in the back of our minds when we when we look to where to serve are we doing it to serve christ or are we doing it To serve the world or to serve ourselves? Like, who are we serving when we do these things? Because the Lord does call us to go after people and to help them. But it's for the building up of the body, it's for the edification of the saints, to grow, as cheesy as it sounds, but like to grow the Lord's family. Like, we were all adopted (laughs) into Him. And when you think about what the Lord did for us, are you willing to do that for other people? And are you so impassioned by the change He's made in your life that you want to replicate that? Because I've seen it in this room, and I'm so in awe of what God has done in all of our lives. And again, we could just stay here, stay in our own little group. I think the Lord would bless us now and then, and it would be fine. But like, this is not the final call. Like, There's more. We're not done yet. (laughs) And as scary and as just wild as that seems, like I'm not satisfied yet. (laughs) Because I know there's people still out there who are hurting. I know there's people who are in chains and who are not free. And I know that I'm a servant to the Lord, that I've (laughs) given my life to Him, that He is my master. But He looks so different than any other master of this world, than anything else that people are in chains to, our Master is different. <laughs> Our Master is good. He is the God above gods. And if you choose to serve Him, are you willing to serve in this way?